Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a pair of crutches. I'm Johnny B. Bad's Glitter. Welcome to episode 118, Slamboree 1994, a Legends reunion, a night with the classics. One ring. One moment. One mega event. Busy. It's like Kinda busy. like the show. <laughs> WCW busy? No. Mm. Trying I, to do too much. Uh, if I remember correctly, at least this isn't like current roster old man match, current roster old man match. No, we only so, get we only get one of those. Yeah, which is a better fit. And Technically, we've seen one of the people in that old man match recently, yeah. so isn't he really... No. Like, he's yeah. not the same as the old man that we saw in last year's Yeah, summer. he's the man that never said quit, or said it a lot, and never did it. And when he did say it, he said it in a funny voice. <laughs> yeah, I can't hear... Uh, I didn't work out my pipes for this. So this was the second Slamboree event produced by WCW. It would take place on May 22nd, 1994, from the Philadelphia Civic Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 4,000 people. Hmm. That is not a good Seems a little slim. I know, our numbers have been going up, and like, we know Philadelphia is a wrestling town. Maybe it's just small. It's a civic center. Maybe it's small. You would think they would run someplace where they get their normal seven or eight. Yeah, because I mean, if everybody that goes to ECW is here, I mean, then right. that's one third of the or like one fourth of the crowd. Yeah, that's two percent <laughs> of your crowd right there. I mean, if you're uh, traveling all the way up north for three thousand plus less people than you're used to, it's almost not worth it. Just go back to Baltimore, guys. Yeah. So like how much? Uh, you know, they had the WCW guys on the. ECW show we watched recently. It's like, did that really, like, do did you really help? need cross promotion? I'm gonna go with probably a big no. Those guys would have showed up anyway. Yeah, like the wrestling fans that planned on going. What? Yeah, because like, where did this air? Who saw this at the time that it was happening? Yeah. They didn't win. The, yeah, by the time, the time ECW got a this. TV, a cable deal, we all know what happened. They didn't have any wrestlers. <laughs> the, the, yeah, like the honeymoon was over. Yeah, but WCW did Shane a favor this week by going to Philadelphia. Yes. Oh my God. Boy, did they ever! Because we never go to Philadelphia. Never, never, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> so yeah, we're in Next Philly week in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> we're in Philly and. Typically, we're in Philly for ECW, and we've gone there lots and lots and lots of times and had lots and lots and lots of stuff to the point that I'm running out of ideas for Philly. Yeah, we so, haven't. This is the show's not 
special enough for a cheesesteak too. No. <laughs> and honestly, even if it was... Maybe in a couple weeks. <laughs> unfortunately, the one that I really liked that was close to my house that I ordered last time is closed. Oh, so, yeah. rest in peace, uh, yeah. cheesesteak spot Philly. that I know the name of. Philly Homa. There you go. I think there's still one in Edmond, though. So, But yeah, we're, we're in Philly with WCW. It's a legend reunion, and I had this glorious idea of to bring lots of stuff that we've tried before, some of our favorites, and then real life kicked in. And, uh, and then you watch Slamboree. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, technically making something or bringing something would have been a whole lot better to you know eliminate the bad taste that the show left. But instead, we uh, got a little creative. As I brought something to get that taste. Out of <laughs> yeah. As uh, as I've mentioned in the past, Philly is the home of. Uh, flavored sodas and the show itself is known as a legends reunion so we decided to bring a couple of oklahoma city legends that recently came together known as the sonic hard seltzer sonic america's drive-in apparently we've seen the commercials <laughs> yeah the commercials are better than the food so <laughs> we've got sonic who uh got their start here or wait did they get started in oklahoma or was it texas I, I think it's an Oklahoma thing. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but I couldn't remember for sure. Wait, Texas is Waterburger, I think. Yeah, Texas yeah. is definitely Waterburger. Um, so yeah, Sonic started in Oklahoma, along with another uh, local legend, Coop Aleworks. Yeah, one of the a, first of the like successful microbreweries yes. that we, uh, we've had. They make um, some uh, kick-ass beers. Yeah. And the two of them decided to come together to uh, create the Sonic Hard Seltzers. Just in time. For the summer. Exactly. Yeah, the the hard seltzer is the uh, the crave of a year or two ago, and Sonic is jumping on the bandwagon, and we're we're happy for it. So we've got uh, a four pack, or actually we got a a twelve pack, but four different options inside. I have gone with the ocean water. That's like the cla- That's like a classic outside of a cherry lime. Yeah, it's a. Uh, we got the tropical. We got the tropical. Twelve pack. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. The tropical twelve pack. It has the ocean water, the mango guava, orange pineapple, and melon medley. Yes. There's also a citrus twelve pack that has the cherry limeade, original lemonade, and two others that I can't remember right offhand. Yeah. Either way, it's probably pretty hard to find at the moment because they just came out, and uh, I'm sure. And they're only in Oklahoma at this point. Oh, okay. are they? Okay. So for, I wasn't for sure how far they had. Mm-hmm. For the next jumped. couple months, they're only in Oklahoma. By August, I believe they're moving to the surrounding states. Nice. Other no. states that have Sonics in them? Because there's not, they don't have Sonics in like Southern California, I'd imagine. I don't know. I have no clue. Me neither. But I'm sure they'll expand as they, if it does well, yep. basically. You know what? Yeah, this ain't bad though. It, what, it feels like I should be on the Oh beach. no, yeah. Just need a little uh, mini umbrella or something in the, uh, the top I, of my can. I will say that I have downed the orange pineapple <laughs> and it was very delicious yeah i like uh seltzer in general and uh hard yep. sel- hard seltzers as well and uh these are some of the better ones i've had yep the uh the ocean water it, it tastes like a uh, a fizzy pina colada in a way so it's pretty tasty i mean i think that's what it's supposed to taste like right yeah, I, I, i've actually never had an ocean water drink I haven't either. I've, I've had a I sip of somebody. I just before. know it's coconut, and I'm not a huge coconut person. But I'm like, yeah. I know it's if it very like blue. A pina colada. I mean, it yeah. seems like that would be what ocean water should taste like. Yeah, the guy uh, 
wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt recording a podcast in Oklahoma should be a Sipping on some ocean water. Of course. Matches your, matches your shirt. Exactly. You're good oh, to go. Too. Get the blue and the white. Hey. Bonus. Clinky, clinky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Like, crack. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, you f- do, do it for the legends. Exactly. Do it for the moment. Well, while we continue to drink down these hard seltzers from Sonic, something Think- that happened right, uh, right around the same time as Slamboree, I swear... By the sun and the moon and the stars? By the band All For One. Hell yes. Would be starting an 11-week run atop the Billboard charts at number one. After already having spent three weeks as country's number one single the previous year with John Michael Montgomery's version. Oh yeah, this was the time period where every hot R&B tune was also a hot country tune. What up, Arista Records? But the, uh, like, yeah. I, like, All for One is, like, Boys to Men 2. Yeah. They have this one album that is huge, and then they never show up again. Yeah. This album was huge. I don't know if I call them Boys to Men 2. They're, they're kind of... I mean, I love I mean, Boys to Men. that's what they were going for. They're kind of uh, Color Me Bad light. Oh, I feel like Color Me Bad's a little too... Because, like, <laughs> Color Me Bad's a little funky, but, like, All for One is full... Full R and B mode, and like, Boys to Men had just went into full R and B mode because like Coolie High Harmony has more of like the like New Jack, New Jack swing, New Jack swing beats and stuff, <laughs> as opposed to going like full like fuck jams. I mean, so. there's a couple of funk jams on this All for One album. Yeah. I had this album for like, sure, but I don't remember any of the other songs. Skills. The, yes. Yes. Oh, that's the first track I think. Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, I got this album, and my parents were just like, yeah, that's cool, you can get that album. And then they, and they heard me play Skills one time, and they were like, what is that? And I was like, it's just a song on the album, don't worry about it. Um, they play it on the radio, I'll just okay. listen to I Swear again. So. Yeah, I might have to put that on at work in the morning, whenever I show up to work on Monday, bright mo- Monday morning, I'll listen to some All for One, which I haven't listened to in over a decade easily. I mean, I know you guys aren't country guys, but the John Michael Montgomery—it's oh, uh, also good. Album. Yeah. I was an aspiring country singer for a while there. Also very good. It's I am a country well. guy, but later in life, I didn't grow up with any of like the '90s or '80s country. But I've gone back as I've gotten older and appreciate uh, country music quite a bit. Fun fact: John Michael Montgomery is a very produced artist in the country music <laughs> world. Uh, when I attempted a country music career for that little span, I heard lots of horror stories about how they hated working with him because they'd have to basically splice his songs together out over like 17 recordings and get the oh my God. five oh second God. pieces of Like each. pre-pro tools. Yeah. <laughs> like, then it makes me really glad that I never went to see him um, live. Because I would have been pissed off. No, I swear, I love the song. I love both versions of it. I loved it again when the hell was that movie with Ryan Reynolds? Just Friends, with Ryan Reynolds and uh, the girl I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Natalie Portman, Milia Kunis. Uh, I'm just naming girls that were in Anna Faris. Amy Smart. <laughs> Amy Smart. <laughs> but okay. Anna Faris was in it too. Yeah. Okay. Because she played the the friend, the the crazy girl. The okay. forgiveness is more than saying sorry. <laughs> I love you is never having to say I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Uh, dumbest thing ever, ever said. <laughs> well, let's kick it into gear and talk some legends. It's going to be half the episode just naming these men. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah, so I'll see you in a few. So we get narration over photos of legends before going to current day competitors and then the logo. Me and Gene Okerlund then welcomes us to the show and we begin... And now introducing the legends, and they like walk out onto the stage. Roll so, call. Ole Anderson. We know the him. Assassin. We know him. Penny Banner. Nope. No, I don't know her. She's a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Okay. okay. Red Bastion. Is that Booger's brother or Booger Banner? Probably more father. But we saw him. <laughs> we saw him probably last year. Tully Blanchard. Hey. Wait, yeah, uh, he, was, he feels a little young for this. He's looking great. He was last seen at SummerSlam 92, episode 74. The Crusher. Don Curtis, who's a professional wrestling Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah, I don't know Don Curtis. Terry Funk. Of course, hmm. but he's but, not here. But he doesn't come out. No. The Funk is up with that. He was too busy. <laughs> Vern Gagne. Oh, Vern Gagne. <laughs> Hard-boiled Haggerty. Yeah. Mm, the Eggman. That's a name. Larry Hennig. He's a professional man. wrestling Hall of Famer. And Kurt's dad. Killer Kowalski, who's a professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. At this you point, know. I'm like already like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot of guys. I'm trying to remember, did Killer, Killer Kowalski, did he train Hunter? Yes. Okay. Yes, Killer Kowalski, if you went and go and look to see who he all trained... Lots. Tons, tons of people. Every time I hear Killer Kowalski, I think of the wrestling episode of Fren and Stimpy. <laughs> That's all. That's all I got. Ernie Ladd. Yeah. Wahoo McDaniel. Wahoo. Angelo Mosca, who we haven't seen since Starcade 83. Yeah. Episode one. So, like, at this point, there's, like, only a couple of names I don't know. But I truly don't know them at all. Harley Race. You're active still, Harley. Ray Stevens. Oh, yeah. He was the uh, tag team partner of Pat Patterson. Supposedly, Ray Stevens was the motherfucking man. Unfortunately, he was wrestling in California when they were like doing their best work, and wrestling in California has never really been a thing. Yeah. Lou Thez. Thez. Yeah. Thez, Thez press my heart. <laughs> Johnny Weaver, who we last saw at Starcade 87. Episode 14. Damn. Mr. Wrestling 2. The man's mask gets smaller every time we see him. Yep. Tommy Young, who we last saw at Clash 9, episode 35. The right, only see, ref here. I see Tommy Young and I think Tommy Rich. But oh, yeah. I'll and as take a, Tommy yeah. Young over Tommy Rich. A few of those people that I didn't mention who, when the last time we saw, most time was because it was at the previous year's Slamboree, which was episode 90. We then get Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan as our commentators. And they don't know who Flair's opponent is going to be as they are going through the matches. Maybe that's why there's only 4,000 people here. Could be. I am. That's a good point. <laughs> it's like, where's your marquee match? Ric Flair versus who? Killer Kowalski? <laughs> like, that's not going to put asses in seats. No. Because no. all your wrestling fans I mean, are already Basically, here. the promotion was Flair versus a mystery opponent. Yeah. And he's a former world champion. The other big match that was being promoted was Rude versus Vader. Sad already. Which we'll talk about more right now. As Nick Bockwinkle joins them 
and he has the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship on his shoulder. It was commonly referred to as Big Gold. Big Gold, exactly. Bockwinkle then calls out Sting before they show footage of Rick Rude and Sting facing each other in Japan, which we talked about a little bit last episode. Um, We had a small video that you can find on YouTube, but Mm. this did show some scenes that we did not see in that video. It did not, did it show the It didn't show the incident, but it shows the closing segments, because that's the part that they wanted to show for this angle that they were running. Definitely. Man, I watched the new episode of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the collision in Korea, and they show, out of nowhere, they showed the clip of Rick Rude getting the suicide dive poncho, what have you, from Sting. And really? it's like, it's like, why did you show me that? I was not ready for this. And like, yeah, it like just, you know, they were showing clips of stuff of like WCW, uh, New Japan stuff. Because that's yeah. what the Collision Korea was as well. Yeah. And I was just like, you got to warn me, man. <laughs> like, it's, you're hurting me. We see the Ravishing One use the belt as a weapon before hitting a top rope knee drop, which was illegal. So the board of directors had ruled that the match in Japan as a no contest, meaning Sting was still champion. And we all know what really happened, but... Is it actually illegal, or is that just storyline? Well, I thought it was the belt thing. The, the fact belt that he, thing. Yeah, he okay. Belt, yeah. The belt thing. Okay. Not, nothing. I was like, okay, are they going back to can't do shit <laughs> off the top rope for this one little second? Not in Japan. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we've seen a lot but of top rope business in that, Japan. That was that was uh, Rude's finisher in Japan was the top rope. Oh, okay. So. I mean, I'd expect that from your old, old cowboy Bill, but not, not Nick. But Sting doesn't want the belt this way. No. All right. So he will face Vader... Later tonight, with the title on the line. I know, it's really nice that Sting's like, I'm not the champion until this match is over. And I'm like, good, simple babyface stuff. That's very uh, easy, but smart. They could have not said anything about it at all. So, big ups on that. So we go to our first match. Johnny B. Bad versus stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Parker. For the WCW United States Championship. The match gets going and Bad hits an arm drag and a side headlock takedown. Which gets him in control early on. Until Austin gets a sleeper locked on. Only for Johnny to escape with a jawbreaker as the crowd yells KFC at Colonel Park. <laughs> uh, yeah, hat guys here of uh, ECW fame and he's really giving it to the Colonel. Yeah, who else is here? Sherry Martell is at ringside. I know. And we see her as the two men start trading arm bars and headlocks until bad counters into a head scissors takedown. She's out there doing her little Alexandra... Uh, 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 can't uh, name. Alexandra York. York. York, yeah, York doing, Foundation. Doing her... Miss Taking the notes. York Foundation. Her notes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a computer, but yeah, she's doing some diligent note-taking. Yes. Johnny starts running the ropes and hits a crossbody an arm drag into another arm bar when Stunning Steve hits a Polish hammer across the face. Austin's stomping away on Bad and starts choking him when Parker gets involved as well. Stunning Steve dumps Johnny out to the floor and then brings him back into the ring with a running vertical suplex and a knee drop for a two count. Yeah, they... <laughs> Johnny gets dumped out to the floor and you hear Shivani, Oh, Johnny's out on the, on the floor! Down in his own glitter. <laughs> like, 
What a thing to point out. Uh-huh, yeah. You party with glitter, you wake up with exactly. glitter. Exactly. Austin's working the neck of bad as the crowd begins to chant, We're not hostile. I think that they were probably frisked or something on the way in. So I was like, why are they saying that? <laughs> like, was the Philly audience like... Well, they uh, they chant some weird stuff throughout the night. I mean, yeah, it's, there's a, a, it's a Philly crowd for you. Yeah, there's a, there's a few uh, where I'm like, I don't know what they're chanting yeah. here. But maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe you guys know. Sting. Oh, yeah. Is it, is it rough? <laughs> yeah, Sting must die. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Snapmare, another knee drop and some chokes from Stunning Steve before coming off the second rope with an elbow drop. Only for Johnny to get his knees up. Bad hits a gut wrench suplex. Only for Austin to come back with a snapmare. Tries for an elbow drop, but Johnny avoids. He's a quick one, that Johnny. Chops from stunning Steve. Whips Bad to the corner, but Johnny charges out to back body drop Austin. Bad starts firing up with a hip toss, clothesline, body slam, drop kick, and a knee lift. When Colonel Parker gets onto the apron. KFC. Johnny cradles up Stunning Steve, but the ref is distracted. So Bad grabs Parker, only for Austin to charge in from behind. Steve had the visual pin. Only to hit the colonel instead, allowing Johnny to roll Steve up again for the pin. And no! no. Austin kicks out, even as the bell is ringing. I say, I say, I say, that was close. Back body drop by Bad comes off the top with a flying sunset flip for a near fall. Calls for the kiss that don't miss, but stunning Steve rakes the eyes to avoid and grabs a headlock. So Johnny hits a back suplex, only for Austin to land on top for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, Bad does finally hit the kiss that don't miss as stunning Steve celebrates to knock him out of the ring. Did you know that his punch was uh, colder than a mother-in-law's kiss? But, yeah, I did like that for, I thought, John, I thought was like, oh, they're going to beat Steve here? They got me for a second. So, you know, Close. that's a good thing. Get the belt off of him so they can move up to the main event. I mean, scene, right? you know, he probably would have liked that, too. I think we all would have liked that. <laughs> we then go to Mean Gene, who's on the stage. And he hypes up the hotline, and there's a poll tonight. Should Cactus Jack be prohibited from wrestling? Um, and I was like, no. What? Yeah, and what are you talking about? Everybody loves him. Exactly. He's been like, like don't, he's don't. been consistently getting good reactions for a couple of years now in WCW. Yeah. Dumb. I did not understand this. Like, is it too brutal? It's like, what are we trying to prove here? He's too good. It gets the best cheers of the night. I mean, maybe maybe it's one of those things, too, where it's like, okay, well, this guy's way over, so if we say that, maybe you'll get a better chance of people calling in and be like, no, 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 just to milk that hotline? I don't know. Who knows? But the answer is obviously no. Wahoo McDaniel and Ernie Ladd then join Mean Gene, and Ernie says, it's great to be honored by your sport. And Wahoo then says, the brain may need a good Indian blanket to wrap himself up in. Which I, I was just like, okay, okay, okay. cool. <laughs> is, he, is he literally trying to sell Indian blankets here on TV? Like, yeah, Lad is a class act, and he was also a big cat, big cat Ernie Lad. He was. Mean Gene then sends it to a video of Dusty Rhodes. Oh, the clean. In... 
Hollywood. Hollywood, baby. The, yeah, green screen Hollywood. Where he's working on a major project and tells Dustin Rhodes that life is a winding road. Yeah. I, I thought every day is a winding road. <laughs> I don't think that song's out yet. Wait, I was thinking of Sheryl Crow. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, yeah, but the clean the clean buzz on Dusty is pretty shocking. Also, uh, he's lets us know that he's in his prime and that he has a million dollar smile. Ah, uh, million dollar smile. There we go. <laughs> we then go to our second match: Tully Blanchard Hell yeah. versus Terry Funk Woo. in a special legends match. Uh-oh. I mean, what a second match to have! And Gordon Soli takes over the play. I play from Shivani, and we haven't seen Gordon since last year's Slamboree, episode 90. And Funk is playing to this crowd because... It's his people. Yeah, these are these ECW hostile people, whether they say it or not, whether they agree or not. Funk jumps in the crowd right next to Hat Guy before tossing his chaps at Tully, who proceeds to jump down to the floor to brawl with Terry. Once in the ring, Blanchard delivers a vertical suplex before going back out to the floor, where Terry grabs a pair of crutches, tossing them into the ring, only for the ref to remove them immediately. This isn't ECW, guys. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Terry's uh, been vacationing on a violent island. A little bit. Funk with a walking atomic drop before everyone heads back into the ring, where he continues the attack with a reverse neckbreaker. As Sully talks about Terry beating Briscoe for the title in '75, I love, I love uh, that WCW talks about history. They embrace it. They head out to the rampway to brawl some more until Tully stumbles off, falling onto the concrete. So Funk rips off part of the wooden steps to bash Blanchard across the head. Yeesh. Terry then places the step on the ropes and hits a pile driver into it. Once they are back in the ring. <laughs> I mean, already, okay. Back to the rampway where Funk hits a DDT that ends up hurting his own back just as much as it does Tully. I mean, Terry Funk looks like his back is fused, whether yes, it has been like or not. Using the, the spare parts of <laughs> Flair's broken back yeah. years before. It looks like he, they put a piece of plywood in his back to keep him together. <laughs> the ref threatens the two men to get back into the ring or he's going to start making the count. So they go back in after Terry hits a headbutt as the crowd wants blood. We want blood. We're not hostile. <laughs> Sting must die. <laughs> Funk with another pile driver goes up top and comes off with a moonsault. <sighs> only for Tully to move to avoid. Blanchard with some strikes across the chest of Terry goes for an Irish whip, but Funk reverses and boomerangs Tully right into the ref. This is the good shit. Mm-hmm. That Terry Funk landed rough on that moonsault. Funk heads outside to grab a chair and sets it up in the corner before setting Blanchard on the top rope. He tries for a another pile driver, but Terry slips off the ropes to be sitting on the chair. <laughs> it's pretty comedic. Funk just keeps beating on Tully as the ref gets rid of the chair. But Blanchard starts firing back with kicks to send Terry out to the ramp before turning and kneeing the ref between the stripes. Oh my gosh. I mean, how many times does this man need to be hit? Also, we found out here that Nick Patrick was a wrestler but blew his knee out. I didn't know that he was trying to be a wrestler at any point in time. These are the things that I like 
appreciate from the WCW commentary side. Well, his daddy's a Hall of Famer. The Assassin. Oh. That's right. I forgot they mentioned that, too. In one of the shows. I don't remember if it was this one or not. Funk has grabbed his branding iron and starts caning Tully with it before bending it across Blanchard's face as the ref just finally calls for the bell. The branding iron made of... Licorice? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a nerd's rope. (laughs) So the official announcement is a double disqualification. I mean, we could have given Tully the win after those brutal pile drivers, right? Tully get a little win. So post-match, Terry goes out to the crowd to celebrate taking Hat Guy's straw hat before elbow dropping it. Yes. Pretty funny. I was. It was weird that Terry Funk is just like really eating everything up. The crowd does not like that it's a. Did we get a DQ? They're not used to disqualification. They're used to blood. They are not hostile. So the rumors are that Tully didn't get the payday he wanted. So he was like, I'm not going to do the job. Yeah, I mean, he is a uh, famous for being a real prick, which is probably why his career isn't as big as he, it is. We don't see him very many more times. Yeah. We love Terry we love Blanchard, and Blanchard and in yeah in in ring, but uh, there's a reason this was a DQ. Yeah. Gordon then starts shilling the pay per view T shirt and program. It's only twenty four ninety five with shipping, guys. Yeah, it's a combo Ooh. combo pack. It's a steal of a deal. We then go to the back with Jesse the Body Ventura, and he starts talking about a tag match that happened the night before, where Ric Flair would join the match by the end of it. Because it was Colonel Parker and his boys. The Nature Boy would then join Jesse before he goes to a video of that tag match. Where Nature runs into the ring to start chopping Parker. Followed by a masked man no. attacking him from behind. You know, I got scared about this masked man. I was like, no, Black mm. Scorpion 2. Assassin 3. <laughs> that, I'm Assassin number uh, 3. <laughs> Flair says, I am ready for any kind of action. Philly likes it hot, heavy, and dirty. And the dirtiest player in the game is going to survive one more time. Woo! And then Ventura responds with the worst woo ever. <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, very bad. He does not commit. No. no, it's like he gives up as soon as the beginning of the W leaves He's his like, lips. Perhaps he We then go to our third match. Larry Zabisco versus Lord Steven Regal with Sir William. Did you see that sign that says Kane the Brain? <laughs> I did not. Uh, we got, I mean, we got the Singapore Kane on the match just because of the news. Yeah. Um, this is the match that, like, Larry Zabisco cut that great promo uh, on right. Steven Regal for. So I like, those are the kinds of things that get you excited. I was excited for this when I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that promo. You know why I remember the promo? Because it was good. So we get Shivani back at the commentary table. Um, and the last time we saw Zabisco was at Russell War 92. I mean, we did see him do the promo on Saturday. Yeah, but the last time in we saw ring. him in ring. Um, and that was the War Games match. Oh, that one. Oh, the one where he was uh, ousted yes. of yeah. the, out of the, the heel uh, team. And that was back in episode 69. Nice. <laughs> so Regal stalls at the beginning just walking around the ring, not even paying attention to Larry. But when he finally does decide to lock up, 
Larry just ducks and takes Regal down with a single leg takedown. Zabisco then starts showing up Lord Steven with several more takedowns, followed by a spinning mule kick to send Regal to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Lord Steven goes for an ab stretch, only for Larry to counter into a small package for a two count, followed by applying an ab stretch of his own, grabbing the ropes for leverage until the ref catches him, which allows Regal to hip toss and make a cover for two. Sherry's still out in the crowd taking notes as the two men trade hip tosses and arm drags. Zabisco then takes Lord Steven down with a trip and starts working the arm with different holds until Sir William puts Regal's boot on the ropes. I love Zabisco's in-ring shit talk. He's got the fire. Larry yells that Lord Steven isn't good enough, which fires up Regal as he begins to unload with several European uppercuts and forearm shots that sends Zabisco out to the ramp where Sir William kicks him. Ugh, rascal. Bastard. Back in the ring, Larry counters in a European uppercut, catching it and trying for a backslide, but Lord Stephen counters into a bow and arrow stretch. Zabisco then escapes and starts to fire up. Grabs a sleeper, but Regal executes a jawbreaker, sending Larry falling backwards toward the ropes, where Sir William cracks him across the head with his umbrella. Boo. Lord Stephen then grabs Zabisco for the butterfly suplex, but Larry backdrops him over with the arm still hooked for the pin and, and no win. win. And not new. <laughs> Non-title match. I know. But I see a rematch probably in the near future. I would hope so. Yeah, this was good. It's a good... Uh... Larry's looking looking pretty good in his... Whatever age he is here. Yeah. I don't want to say his prime. Past his prime. He's not really past his prime fully. I'd say he's past his prime. Uh, yeah, but like, I mean. He can still get this, Yeah, this was, this was, this was solid, this was solid shit. Uh, a great continue, like, hopefully this continues, but like, this is the kind of match that you want for your first match against a guy with a belt. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, like, we're, this is how wrestling's supposed to work. Sometimes it doesn't, most of the time, it doesn't work like we all think it should. There's a sign in the crowd that someone wants Hogan. Ugh. Ugh. Who are they? Soon. I'm going to mail them anthrax. Soon, very soon. Too soon. We didn't go to Mean Gene in the back. And he says, there's still time to vote for Cactus Jack. Give it up, Mean Gene. Everyone wants Jack. We got this, this, he's got this new red hot partner in Kevin Sullivan. We got the another match against the Nasties. Oakland then tells us that he's going to Orlando to conduct an interview with Hulk Hogan that will be on WCW Saturday night yeah, this so. week. Terry Funk then joins, and Mean Gene asks him why he doesn't come out earlier with all the legends. Luthes, Nick Bockwinkle, Ray Stevens, all of those fellas are legends. Well, why didn't I walk the catwalk? Because I am the legend. And in the most hostile city in the United States, Philadelphia, three things are of great danger tonight. Scoville River, with all the pollution, Shurkel Expressway, that knocks off a couple every day, and the face of a fellow like me. I'm a hardcore wrestler. And that is what I intend to show all of you. This is live, and I can say whatever I want because it's live, but I'm still not going to curse. I can talk about the egg-sucking dog, Dusty Rhodes. 
I'd like to beat on him, but he's the son of a carpenter. But what I can do is beat on the son of a son of a carpenter. You haven't seen the last of me tonight, and I'm not leaving. Yeesh. Good job. I'm lightheaded. Son of a son of a carpenter. I know, that's hard to get out. (laughs) You know what's hard about a Terry Funk promo? Is that... He means it. They're off the cuff, and they're you, since they're right off the top of his dome. No one would ever talk like that. No one would ever, like, no one else would ever say those things. They're one in a million. We then go to Gordon Sully in the ring to induct this year's WCW Hall of Fame inductees. He introduces Luthez, who will be helping hand out plaques. And after each name is called... Sully goes through a brief history of them while we get some video. The inductees this year are Harley Race, Cat. The Crusher, Ernie Ladd, Big Cat, The Masked Assassin, or The Assassin, Ole Anderson, The Man with the Remote to the Cage, and <laughs> oh. posthumously, posthumously, yeah, however you say it, yeah, yeah, Dick the Bruiser. Sully starts actually breaking down. As he goes over a story about Dick, as they hand the plaque to his daughter. Oh, it's good. It was a heart, heartfelt. Yeah, for sure. But we then go to the back, and Jesse is there with Colonel Robert Parker. Parker says he's going to be turning up the heat here real soon. You saw my U.S. champion victorious. Bunkhouse Bunk going to hospitalize Rhodes in the bull rope match. Ventura wants the scoop on. Who's facing Flair from him? And Parker just reiterates all the stuff we've already know. Basically trying to make us think it's Hogan. Yeah, yeah he says six, seven, three hundred pounds or something like that. Former world yeah. champion. Former world, world champion. Has issues with Flair. Bleach yeah. blonde. No, wait, no. That's <laughs> Actually, I think he does say Bleach Does he really? Okay. I couldn't remember. I mean, we know. But when you, like, once you realize who it is, it's like, no. oh, those two actually do have a lot of similarities other than... One has charisma and the other one doesn't. (laughs) But we'll find out soon enough. As we head to our fourth match, The Natural, Dustin Rhodes versus Bunkhouse Buck with Colonel Robert Parker in a bull rope match. This is like the third Bunkhouse Dustin match? Or just the second? Uh, Too many. Too many. Just the second one. I liked the really bloody one and I got excited because I was like, well, this is like, you know continuation of a feud bring on the blood we're in philadelphia like yeah everybody uh bust open a capri sun and leave juice all over the mat so the two men are tied together by a rope with a cow belt attached that's why it's a bull rope match roads cowbell match yeah bring uh uh more ca- a, more cowbell. That's why it's a bull rope. Yeah, I know. I'm just talking shit. <laughs> yeah. So Rhodes attacks as soon as Buck is in the ring, not even waiting for them to be tethered together. I mean, he's uh, he might be the babyface, but he's been wronged, and uh, that last match didn't really go his way. Yeah. He, he's pissed. Yeah, he left a lot of uh, him, his own DNA yeah. in the ring last time. Out on the floor, Dustin wraps the rope around... Bunkhouse Buck's neck to drag him back into the ring over the ropes. I know we get an immediate homage to uh, the Dustin or Dusty Rhodes superstar Billy Graham rope match from Madison Square Garden, like in the early '80s. 
Dustin then delivers elbows to the head and more chokes. The natural then gets Buck finally tethered before delivering more elbows to the head and a stomp to the gut. I know we're already getting elbows to the head. I'm just like, we want blood. They're yelling, we want blood. I want blood. Body slam. I'm not hostile. Give it to me. Elbow drop for a two count by Rhodes. Tosses Bunkhouse Buck to the ropes where he gets tangled up with the bull rope in between his legs, allowing Dustin to give Buck a rope burn down under. The natural then starts using the cowbell on the knee of Bunkhouse Buck as the crowd chants for blood. Uh, did you know that Roseanne, you know, Dusty's out in Hollywood, but Roseanne Barr called him up and said that, said that she wanted to borrow his jeans. It's a joke that Bobby Heenan gets off. Uh, it's, you know, a little, a little gross, a little, a little funny. I mean, they could wear the same size jeans. Who knows? Oh, Bobby. Clothesline by Rhodes makes the cover, only for Buck to get his boot on the ropes. So Dustin just keeps working the leg, even wrapping it around the post multiple times. I know. I'm like, I'm just screaming here. Have the blood match in Philly. We already had the blood match. The blood match should be this match. Back in the ring, the natural choking away with the rope. Elbows to the leg, grinding the cowbell into the knee. But Buck escapes by pulling Rhodes' shirt over his head, allowing him to start working over Dustin with the cowbell, taking him to the outside and running the natural into a ring post before tying him up to it so that Bunkhouse Buck can continue the punishment. So he hits uh, the Beavis and then the post. Or is it Butthead? Who's Cornholio? Uh, That would be Beavis. I had to think for a second. It's been a lot of years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Rhodes finally breaks free and starts firing back with right hands before giving a low blow and more shots with the cowbell. They finally head back into the ring where Buck hits a body slam and heads up top, only for Dustin to meet him there to hit some mounted punches and the flip-flop fly before press slamming to the mat for a two-count. The natural with an Irish whip goes to pull Bunkhouse Buck back towards him, only for the ref to be bumped into Ref bump. Rhodes hits a vertical suplex, followed by Colonel Parker jumping in the ring. But Dustin makes it back to his feet in time to scare him off. But it does allow Buck to hit him from behind, locking on a full Nelson. Parker grabs the cowbell, but the natural kicks him away. Back elbows Bunkhouse Buck and grabs the cowbell himself, nailing Buck with it for the pin and And the the win. Where's the blood? Post-match. Rhodes is celebrating when Terry Funk comes running down to the ring, nailing Dustin with the branding iron, which busts him open. I know. (laughs) I get that they waited for this, but, like, didn't add to the match that just happened. But, you know, Dustin Rhodes versus Terry Funk, of course I want to see that. Yeah, he's beating on the son of a son of a carpenter, man. Yeah. Funk and Bunkhouse Bunk go for a spike pile driver, but Buck can't lift the natural. <laughs> I so, love that Terry, being the heel here, uh, gets the chant as opposed to Dustin. They're like, we just want Terry to, you know, stab him, basically. Yep. The two men proceed then to just beat on him until security makes it to the ring to clear it. As they get Rhodes to the back, Heenan says he's going to go to the back to find out what Terry is up to. It sounds like he's being a bit of a jerk. 
We then go to the stage with Mean Gene. And he wants to know if WCW should ban Cactus Jack. Call the hotline. What's the number, Shane? 1-900-909-9900. Kids, ask your parents permission. Don't call now. Phone number is no longer active. (laughs) Red Bastion and Ray Stevens then join him. And they basically both say the wrestling tonight's great. But and they're glad, but they're still not in the business. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Great time with the memories, but I don't have an itch anymore. Red Bastion thinks it's a good idea. He got out when he did. We then go to our fifth match: the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, versus a mystery opponent with Colonel Robert Parker for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I for- I even forgot this. I was like, oh yeah. Jesse Ventura joins Tony for commentary as the brain is still in the back. Hmm. And the champion comes out first. <gasps> Foreshadowing. I mean, you got to have the mystery man come out second, right? Of course. Because then he's not much of a mystery. Exactly. No. Please be Black Scorpion. Please be Black Scorpion. Black Scorpion uh, 2. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I was trying to make it do that joke but not say electric blue i couldn't think anything better parker makes his way out to the ring and takes the mic to introduce his surprise (gasps) can it be who can it be barry window oh my god who we haven't seen since beach blast 93 episode 95 when he got his ass beach blasted by old flair himself yeah is beach blast 92 my beach blast you guys remember the ending of that match it was the bullshit. Uh, I don't remember exactly. Flair locked on the figure four and he got his shoulders pinned. Oh, uh, right. okay. That's right. No wonder he's been gone for a year. <laughs> yeah. From he's embarrassment. A... That's not. It's Beach Blast '92. Is the show that I shit myself over, right? Or is it '93? It's the one. It's the Beach Blast it's that has. 93. Yeah, it's is not, the one that had the uh, Steamboat Rude, rude match, which I, I think, yeah. still fucking think about regularly. Yeah. Yeah, Barry's been uh, eating his feelings, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder he's over 300 pounds. (laughs) So the match gets going, and it's back and forth between the two until a big right hand sends Flair to the corner, where Wyndham grabs him for a body slam, goes for an elbow drop, only for Nage to move to avoid, sending Barry out to the floor to regroup. So is Hogan on like a non-compete, or are they just like legitimately just being jerks here? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember what he had he, going on. I just don't think he's signed his contract. contract I think he's yeah, still yeah. doing his Thunder in Paradise yeah, stuff, yeah. and he hadn't signed his contract. The boat show. Yeah, Thunder in Paradise. Sign up to the time. Wrestling History X Patreon, where we cover all of Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Thunder, The Thunder in Paradise uh, Minute. Go through each episode minute by minute. That's not true. Don't look for it. We will probably never do that. Yeah. By probably, I mean most definitely. I will... Uh... Quit? I will not be a part of that little segment. <laughs> That's when I will choose to, you know, fire one up or go outside or something. Come on, Thunder in Paradise. There's speedboats. Oh, yeah, but we've got Baywatch and it's Hogan free. Yeah, and it's off. yeah. Except le- that one episode. Less speedboats, more tits. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Is, Hogan, yeah. is Hogan on that episode or is it just a bunch of WCW guys? No, uh, Hogan, Flair. Kevin Sullivan, I remember for sure, because you see Kevin Sullivan, you never forget Kevin Sullivan yeah. when you see him. He's a little bowling ball of a man. Fire plug. 
But back in the ring, the nature boy starts chopping Wyndham, kicking his legs, but Barry comes back with a lariat, followed by a clothesline that sends Flair over the ropes. He's already floor. chopping at those legs, man, for good reason. Barry Wyndham's a tall tree. Wyndham heads out to slam nature into the guardrail headfirst before bringing the nature boy back in with a vertical suplex and a leg drop. Barry applies a headlock, using the ropes as leverage, before tossing Flair to the corner for a Flair flip out to the floor, where Parker joins the fray with a good stomping. <sighs> Wyndham heads out to hit an atomic drop, bringing Nature back in with another vertical suplex, followed with mounted punches. But the Nature Boy escapes with an inverted atomic drop. Flair then heads up top, but is met by Barry to hit a superplex. For a two count. Nature fires up with chops, a stalling vertical suplex that ends up hurting the Nature Boy as well. But he is able to take Wyndham down with a single leg takedown and applies the figure four. Barry's reaching for the ropes. But he's in the middle of that mat. When Colonel Parker pushes the ropes towards him so that he can grab it <laughs> to break the hold. Damn it. Uh, rope push. <laughs> <laughs> Flair goes to the figure four again, but Wyndham rakes the eyes to escape momentarily. Oh, is, are you sure that's not Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> but Nate goes right back to the leg to lock it in, only for them to beat in the ropes. The Nature Boy comes off the top with a single sledge and multiple rolling knee drops for a two count, followed by a crossbody that sends both men out to the floor. Double 360. Flair slams Barry headfirst into a guardrail before rolling back in to continue the attack. Each time he throws Flair's head into the guardrail, I'm just like, juice, juice. The bunkhouse match and this Philly crowd has me wanting violence. It's in the air. Flair with a jackknife cover for a two count. Wyndham then headbutts Nate in the gut before tossing him out to the floor. Oh, nothing like a headbutt to the gut. What are we doing here? <laughs> Parker it's... goes to attack, but the nature boy clotheslines the colonel. Flair then sunset flips back into the ring, but Barry grabs hold of Parker to, to keep from going over. Yeah, this is a nice little spot. He sits down on Nature, but the ref sees it and kicks the colonel away. Ah, I love when, when a little, little bit of ref involvement, just a tiny bit, a touch. I mean, who, wants to, who, who wouldn't want to kick the colonel anyway, so... I mean, yeah. <sighs> Fucking KFC. Nature Boy is up nailing Parker off the apron, allowing Wyndham to cradle him up for the pin, and no, no flare kicks out. <sighs> Barry then sends Nature to the corner, where he flare flips onto the apron, runs to the other turnbuckle, coming off with a crossbody for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. Some called a crossbody. That one was more of a slop body. That, uh... Not, not the crispiest of crossbodies. It was not KFC quality. Didn't have all the spices? No. No, it was a little crispy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, it, it hung out in the heat lamp for too long. <laughs> and Rick takes the belt and just leaves. There's, like, no celebration here. Very weird. Well, I mean, did you celebrate just after fucking, watching it? Just fucking very weird. <laughs> Like, I beat him at, you know. Yeah, but you know. I beat him at the beach last You know how year. much everybody loves Wyndham and uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and the yes. fact that they're just, like, these big, strong guys that are... <sighs> it made me nervous that I got a yeah, notification. Yeah, sloppier than a 
2 a.m. Taco Bell order. Made me nervous that I got a notification from Peacock about a new show about or called Doctor Death, and I thought I had something to do with WWE. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, it's an actual TV show yeah. about just a a doctor that kills people. It's a it's a Starring it's a old Pacey from Dawson's Creek. It's like Young Rock, except for it's uh, Young Death, and uh, <laughs> instead of interviews with Doctor Death about his it's life, Jim it's just Jim Ross. You got it. You know it, Jim Ross. It feels like him and yeah, I mean him and Doctor Death may as well be uh, married, with the amount that Jim Ross just thinks so much of Doctor Death. So much more than anybody else, he's the biggest fan. He he just has a thing for those Steve Williamses. I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. because you know, old Stone Cold, they're they're like yeah, Texas toast and butter. We then get an ad for Bash at the Beach, where we see the brain and Mean Gene. Talk about the big one with some lovely ladies on a beach set. Ooh. Is Fifi there? No. Oh. God. You know what? <laughs> I found like the Ric Flair official. The, Diamond Doll. <laughs> the official Ric Flair website has a Flair for the Gold shirt that has him and Fifi on it. And one of these days, I'll be purchasing it from a girl. I mean, I assume they put it out more recently after they got married, but it is a picture of them from like the time period that Fifi was a thing. Ah, they look so good together. We then go to the stage and Mean Gene's there, still hyping up that hotline. When Don Curtis and the Crusher join, Curtis shares some memories about tagging with Mark Lewin. Oh. We haven't seen him since, like, Starcade 1 and 2. Okay, so So I didn't even remember the name. Yeah, I was like, Mark Inside Lewin Davis? (laughs) It's like, I don't know who this Lewin man is. And then the Crusher says he's, he's going to join Okerlund for some big ones after the show. Oh, Meeting really? Some beers. Yeah, yeah, uh, b- big beers, and uh, you know they're getting ready for the beach. Mean Gene then sends it to a video of Dave the Hammer Schultz, who's a f- the former Philadelphia Flyers enforcer. Yeah, a, g- a motherfucking goon if there ever was one. Exactly, and as he introduces himself, we see video of him fighting in a hockey game. Oh yeah, there's there's like something different. I think it's the gear, but like hockey punches are unlike punches anywhere else. You know what I mean? They just look different, and it's like you could only throw those punches if you were a hockey player. Nobody else throws punches like that. Your arms can only move a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Rotten sock and real boxes with real people. Yeah, they always look, you know, brutal and upsetting. But you know, that's why they say to always pull shirt over the head so they mm-hmm. you don't have to be as vicious you can just use your knees will we go to our sixth match kevin sullivan and cactus jack versus the nasty boys and brian Nobbs and jerry sags in a philadelphia broad street bullies match for the wcw tag team championships with dave schultz as this special guest referee is it gonna be nasty Song. Bang bang. So the rules are that anything goes and falls count anywhere. The rules are there are no rules. Schultz comes out and he's in a Flyers jersey and brings his hockey stick with him. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Everyone just starts brawling as they get into the ring, falling out to the floor very quickly. Sullivan running knobs into a guardrail before being thrown into the crowd. Tony tells us that Jack has been hit with a chair before we see Sags deliver a kick 
to his prone body. Yep, a wild crutch appears. Kevin has found those crutches and starts using them across the back of Brian. As Jerry and Cactus Jack have made their way into the crowd with Jack using a chair multiple times. Nobs with several chair shots across the head of Sullivan. Sags gets run into a guardrail and then heads towards the back. Kevin and Brian are back in the ring as Sullivan delivers a drop kick and a headbutt to send Nobs out to the rampway. Jerry then uses a fire extinguisher across the back of, Cre- of Cactus Jack. As Kevin hits a pile driver to Brian on the ramp. Jack has a trash can hitting Sags over the head as they crawl onto the ramp where the hits just keep coming. And the hits just keep on coming. Sullivan starts using the trash can as well when Jack comes off the second rope with an elbow drop only for Brian to move, sending Cactus Jack through the trash can. I mean, you know. When when in doubt, Jack's taking the bump. The Nasties start using the trash can on Jack. Chair shots to Kevin. Jerry with a camera swinging it across the back of Jack. It's one of those cameras that just don't exist anymore. The long, thin oh, yeah. 90s the little, jobs. The little light stick on yeah, top. Yeah, if you got the light stick, that's a nice one. My first camera as a child was a green one that had a Ninja Turtle on it. And on the inside, it had a little cell. So there was a Ninja Turtle in all your photos. My dad helped me take it apart to take it out because I wanted to take photos and the turtle kept getting in the way. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a fun thing to have. But I don't even know where, I guess, does Walt, can you still get pictures done at Walgreens? Is that even a thing anymore? I think so. Do they even make that film anymore? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I took know. some in. It's been over 10 years. I took in like 40 rolls of old film. Oh, wow. I've just been collecting dust over That's kind of exciting. Yeah, I got to see... Stuff from when I was like a teenager that I didn't even know. Yeah, you don't even happen anymore. That's awesome. Chair shots, trash can shots, both teams just hitting each other, and they all end up back on the ramp. We've seen we've seen this before. Both teams just hitting each other. It's Cactus Jack and somebody versus the Nasty Boys. Cactus Jack hits a clothesline to Brian to send him back into the ring. Jack then hits a leg drop on Nobbs when Sags brings a table towards the ramp. Oh no! While Sullivan takes over on Brian. And that table exhausted the hell out of old Sags. <laughs> he looked uh, very winded. A little blown up. Right. Yeah. Jerry tosses Cactus Jack off the ramp right into that table while <sighs> Kevin continues with the chair shots on Brian. You know what I love about this match? Is they don't even really need a ref, and Dave is just like straight chilling. He's just hanging out. It's pretty awesome. My part's coming. Yeah. Jerry grabs, give me the cue. Give me the cue. Jerry grabs a camera light tripod, tripod tripod and jabs Jack with it. But Cactus Jack comes back with a suplex of the table onto Sags. Call back. Sullivan with more chair shots. Sag tosses some of the broken table at Jack when Nobbs and Kevin start walking up the ramp towards the others where Jerry continues with trash can lids across the head of Cactus Jack. All four men are basically in the same area when someone sprays the fire extinguisher. So they all head back towards the ring, brawling away. Sags hits a top rope elbow drop on Jack, and he goes to grab the hockey stick. But Dave Schultz grabs it away and starts hockey fighting Jerry. 
Oh, those pulling big... the shirt over the head and punching Andy. The haymakers. Oh, Dave. Which allows Cactus Jack to grab the stick, whacking Sags in his banded shoulder for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Fastest count of all time. And, and new. Post match. He, he was excited. He had the adrenaline from all that fight, and he just did. Kevin and Brian are still brawling on the floor, and Jerry starts hitting Jack with the hockey stick. When Max Payne okay. comes down and nails Sags with a guitar shot across the head. Yeah, it's uh, Max Payne unplugged, baby. We, so, we swapped out our uh, our electric um, metal machine for, uh, you know, some slow jams. So once again, I'm not perfect about calling when it was last match, but was he actually in this match? No. I didn't know. Max? He, he technically did not enter the ring, as far as I remember. Yeah, well, yeah. He, his guitar entered the ring. At least the powder is inside the guitar entered the ring. Nobbs is then backing away from Sullivan, Cactus Jack, and Payne up the ramp. When Dave Sullivan comes walking out on crutches, Dave uses one of his crutches across the back of Brian, followed by doctors having to come out and check on Jerry who was laid out in the ring. The Nasty Boys are dead now. Fun note here for you. This was Cactus Jack's first major title win. Oh, yeah. That's just madness. They did say that, and I was like, that's wild, but he's the guy that doesn't need a title. He's Cactus Jack. He goes splat on the concrete. That's his thing. He bang bangs his heels. Yeah, he bang bangs his way into our heart. (laughs) We go to Mean Gene on the stage. And he's still shilling for this Cactus Jack question. Which, he just won the title. You can't ban him. <laughs> which the crowd gives a resounding no to. Yeah. But also he's a champion now. So would they actually listen to the people if they were to have said yes? Yeah, sure. I was just They're just trying to get that, that you know, 99 cents 99 a minute. Cents. Luthez and Vern Gagne then join Oakland and... Mean Jeans saw the expression on their face as that last match. Oh, happened. yeah. Vern Gagne lets us know that that wasn't wrestling. <laughs> Gagne basically shits on the match. Which is understandable. I get it. But, you know, it was. I don't think that this last match was better than the previous Jack Payne match. No. It just wasn't. No. And Thez, he doesn't quite as explicitly shit on the match, but he's like. I was proud to have gone into the Hall of Fame <laughs> last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he says, uh, I guess uh, they switched out the point system for sharp objects. But we then go to our seventh match. Vader with Harley Race versus Sting for the vacant WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. I love that since Michael Buffer does the intro, he did the intro for the... Uh, Flare match as well, but when Buffer says, Vader, Vader also yells his own name with him. So Vader says Vader with him, like, Vader, and it's fucking hilarious and perfect. It's like, yeah, I'm fucking Vader. I thought it was funny with uh, Buffer how he kept fumbling over his words after Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan won, because I think he said about 17 different variations of... The new champions, tag team, tag team champions, champions of the tag team. Division. (laughs) (laughs) But we do get Heenan back on commentary for this match. I mean, come on, bring him in. And the two men get into each other's faces, and they're jawing away before both are being cautious with no one gaining an advantage. 
Yeah, Vader or Sting's ducking uh, some Vader blows. Until Vader corners Sting, delivering stiff shots and a short arm clothesline. The Stinger retaliates with some kicks and right hands that sends Vader out to the floor, where he takes the headgear off. Uh, serious business. This is you know, pre-taking down the uh, shoulder strap. Oh yeah, I mean he's Vader. It seems like that he's allergic to the face mask once the match starts. At this point, back in the ring after wearing a mask for a year, it was probably sweaty. I feel his pain. Yeah, I'm sure as soon as fresh sweat hits it, it smells great. According to all the wonderful things I've heard about Vader being a yeah, true. Rug, yeah, that time he I mean, like seven years of other people's stench and his own. I've heard he was it. not the most clean man. You know, Bret Hart famously said it was like wrestling a concrete truck full of vomit, <laughs> which is really disgusting. Back in the ring, Sting hits a stalling vertical suplex. I know that's impressive. Yeah, but he does hurt his back in the process. I mean, yes, like he, he should. should. Stinger runs into multiple avalanches, but he just no-sells them, but gets taken down on the third one, allowing Vader to drop an elbow. I know, impressive that he's no-sold two of them. Vader continues with two Vader bombs for a two-count. Another avalanche before applying a leg lock that turns the leg ways it should go. Sting fights out, hitting a jumping elbow drop, that's all he can muster as Vader is quickly back on top with multiple elbow drops. And yeah, Vader like slaps him, calls him a punk, stands on his head in between all of this. Like he's really uh, getting nasty. The stinger rakes the eyes, starts running the ropes, and goes for a leaping clothesline. But Vader ducks, causing Sting to take the ref down. Ref bump. The stinger then turns into a choke slam from Vader and makes the cover. But the ref is still down. Oh, no. Harley Race then brings a chair up onto the ramp while Vader is holding Sting. Race swings away, but the Stinger ducks, causing Vader to take the blow. Worst chair shot ever. <laughs> Sting hits a DDT and makes the cover for the pin. And no, no. Vader kicks out. Clothesline to send Vader out to the floor. A real 360. The Stinger then brings him back in with a vertical suplex, followed by another clothesline to send him over to the other side. A double 360. Vader climbs back into the ring right in the corner. So Sting flies in with a Stinger splash, but Vader catches him mid-air and power slams him down. Vader heads up top. I know, I'm like, okay. Goes Bomb. for the Vader salt. But Sting moves out of the way and makes the cover, only for Harley to come off the top with a diving headbutt, which the Stinger moves out of the way of, causing Vader to take the blow as well. It, it's perfectly done, but it's just so hard to watch Harley Race fall head first. <laughs> I don't like it. The ref then shoves Race out of the ring as Sting comes off the top with a splash for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! Pyro goes off as Tony and Hina recap the evening. And Vader comes over with a chair and starts yelling at them. Yes, because if he lost, he's angry. Maybe his head hurts because of that brutal Harley Race headbutt. Maybe he's uh, forgetting the fact that he just got hit in the head by Harley. Not only by a headbutt, but also by a chair shot. Mm -hmm. And he still walks away holding his hand. 
But the brain appeases him to get him to go away. And then they say their goodbyes as credits roll. Brain kills it with being afraid of Vader. It's very good. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Slamboree 94? It was fine. It was uh, more fun to talk about than it was to watch. That's true, but it wasn't like some of these <laughs> it shows. terrible. Yeah, there's some shows where it's just like, oh my god. Ugh. And this one, I got through it really quickly, but it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't a battle ball. There's nothing here that I would shortlist. That's basically my thought. I think the show is enjoyable. Well, yeah. with the exception... You got old Cactus Jack who won his first I ma- mean, yeah. major title. That's a cool unquote. moment, I guess. Yeah. But there's no one match on the show that really just stands out. No. Yeah. It's every- like, this is, like, you need to watch this match. No. But the show overall is an enjoyable show. There's nothing wrong with the show, but there's nothing... Yeah. Nothing spectacular. Yeah. There's no, there's no uh, like... Like highlight real moments on the show. No. I mean, unless you just want to see Cactus Jack's first major win. Yeah, but they don't even really celebrate it in any like grand way that would even make a highlight reel. No, they they pretty it much just jump to the next match and ask you if Cactus Jack should still wrestle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Mean Gene was like, "All right, well." If you want to see Tully Blanchard wrestle for the first time in like three or four years, then yeah. You know. Yeah, I will say that the Tully Blanchard thing might be. A, one of the bigger highlights just because it was good to see him and he looked great in there but it ends honestly the best what I would the only thing I would probably take from here for a highlight reel is Terry Funk el- like elbow dropping hat guy's hat because it's weird and like it feels like Terry Funk's angry that like so that like that he wouldn't do the job uh, you know, became associated with as far as elbow dropping his jacket and whatnot in the center of the ring in the late 90s, early 2000s, wherever the hell year that was. I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like Terry Funk was just like frustrated that the match could not have gone longer and he's like here with his new bros and they're all like pumped that he's there and he wanted a bigger match and like he just gets weird and like Terry Funk gets really weird at the end of that match when the match is over. So that's... Memorable. If you don't know who Penny Banner or Angelo Mosca or I know Mosca, watch this. They they start the show off, so you can find out right away. Another thing, I'm very I was very interested to be like, oh, who is this uh, Penny lady? I'd like to see some of these matches out of curiosity. Yeah. But you I never really hear WCW talking about their. Women wrestlers, and past she, or present. Yeah, she may have done some NWA stuff. Like they kind of just like are handpicking from a bygone era. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of the evening? I mean, Elbow me, drop on the hat. Cactus Jack winning this belt. Cactus winning the belt. Because we all love Cactus. Yeah, Jack. for sure. Um, I liked. Um, just seeing Tully, and Tully looked good. Is the, uh, like, is the first match the best match? The first match is really good. Because, like, I really thought... The second Johnny match is good, I too. Johnny B. Bad might actually win that match. That yeah, was the... That one psyched me out. I, I yeah. can't remember if he had actually won it before, or I'm, won that title. I'm glad that it all that psyched all three of us out, because, like, Bad is... 
been over. He's not terrible, and he's always solid with somebody good. Like, bad versus early Max Payne or, like, PN News or some shit. It's like, all right. But he has the... the but, we're, but we're never like, oh, God, Johnny be bad. No, exactly. So at least he always puts on a performance that... <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Get a couple years in a different promotion. Exactly. For sure, for sure. But, like, here he's over and he's over as a personality more than a worker but he's not the worst worker that we see no he he's good with good talent and uh, he doesn't have a lot of you know massive in-ring i don't even know what the fuck word i'm going for but i mean like his little set list here that he did with the hip toss the clothesline the body slam kind of the the john cena i'm just gonna pick you up knock you down yeah yeah but i mean in 1994 it it worked. For sure. I mean... The, awesome. funk, the funk promo was really good. Funk promo was good. Funk and Blanchard was fine, but the ending was like, all right, well, okay. And then Zabisco and Regal was really good. Yeah, Zabisco, Regal. I mean, I mean Regal's one... I, I'll watch any match that that he's in just because... But I think that... The, the wrestling fan in me enjoyed the match, but the... It wasn't exciting. It's not a... It's not an exciting match by any means. It's not. It just like it gets like you know an like a tiny bump from Zabisco's promo that we saw. If I didn't see that promo, I wouldn't have felt the same way. But I was excited because Zabisco had a really good promo, and then they had a solid match. So it's kind of hard because like we don't really have anything to shit on here, but we don't have a lot of praise either. I will say that the bull rope match was bullshit. Well, let's just go ahead and move on to the most disappointing things. <laughs> Mmm, bull rope match was because the the one with where Dustin Juiced and Bunkhouse beat him was so much better than it should have been, yeah. and this one like he doesn't really get like Dustin gets the win, but it doesn't feel like a celebration. It just feels like it happened. Whereas like him losing to well, him with I the Juice was with Funk coming out. I think it's setting up future things. Yeah, I mean biggest disappointment honestly like, is the lack of Juice on a show in Philadelphia. My most disappointing is just the fact that WCW, at least during these years that we've covered, they do not understand what a mystery opponent buildup should be. Uh, I don't know that they ever have. Barry Windham this time. They gave us Sid Vicious one time. They gave us the Shockmaster. Black Scorpion. Black Scorpion. You know, the only one that ever really became something exciting was the Halloween Havoc Phantom, which became Rick Rude. And even that one was I even super forgot. fucking cheesy. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, he was just wearing a black mask with his monstrous mustache poking out from under it. So it was oh, yeah. kind of give away who it was. Mustache on a pole match. <laughs> but just the fact that they build up this show of Flair versus a mystery opponent, the mystery opponent, they give all these hints and clues and whatnot, leading you to believe it's Hogan. Yeah, whatever, that's not going to happen yet. But it's just that big disappointment letdown of, Gosh, I mean, the, I have thing, this... the thing is, I think if you're watching it back then, yeah, I watched there, it back then. There, there's, I mean, I know you did, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just saying there are people out there that probably actually did think it was Hogan, but at the same time, they're literally talking about Hogan enough that it's like yeah. it, you should know that it's not Hogan. Yeah, but plus, also, plus Hogan and Colonel Robert Parker. Does that make? any sense at all. Well, I mean, uh, Hulk Hogan has been extra crispy his whole life. Look at that skin. Very true. 
Uh, <laughs> his, his last manager was a loudmouth that liked to wear bright suits. But the other thing, okay, people talk about Barry Windham. You hear, like, older guys that worked in wrestling talk about Barry Windham being great. Do you have any strong feelings about Barry Windham? I, I don't have any feelings his, about Barry Windham. He's a good hand. There's, yeah, he's really big, but that's like... I personally feel like in our kind of the same with Doctor watching Death. of shows, yeah. he has never put anything out there that I'm just like, oh, cool, Barry Windham. Like, he's always, all right, cool, whatever, Barry Windham. But, like, I'm never looking forward to a Barry Windham match. Yeah. No. Like, at this point, both those guys have been around for quite a while, but, like, I would have rather seen Paul Orndorff versus Ric Flair because that shit would have ruled. Because Paul Orndorff fucking rules. Yeah. I mean, hell, I would have taken <laughs> Paul Roma versus <laughs> yeah. Barry. Yeah. Seriously. Barry, he's a horseman, though. Barry has just a vibe of... He feels like he doesn't care. So, like, how am I supposed to? Exactly. I mean, I think the night is kind of summed up when they let Vern Gagne basically just shit all over the Cactus Jack match. Yep. I'm like, that sums up the evening for me, basically. It's like... It's like the old guys aren't that stoked to be here, and there's not really any money matches here. Like Sting Invader, we've seen Sting Invader before, and this was a fine Sting Invader match. It was good, but we've seen better Sting Invader matches in the last six months to a calendar year well, from this show. That's the other thing, and I don't know if it falls under most disappointing or most surprising, but they threw together the Sting Invader match, spur of the moment, and it was the main event. Yeah, and it was, still, it was still good, but it was not the best Sting Invader match we've seen. Yeah. But you've in got your, 12 months. you got your heavyweight champion, you know, Ric Flair, against his mystery opponent, who that match had at least been advertised. Why was that not the yeah. event? I mean, what I mean, it comes down to... like, three weeks to, like... What comes... I mean, they may not yeah. have known exactly that Rude was not... The injury happened three weeks before this. Show. Yeah, they knew no. he was injured. So they but... knew he was injured, but maybe they didn't know to what extent, yeah. and if he wasn't going we to... We all know what this show was... They could have easily just continue. rotated it, put Flair and... What it comes down to, this show is missing Rick Rude. But which match? And is, but the Vader Sting match is the better match. I would rather yeah. that that is the main event of this show. Yeah, I don't true. I don't care yeah. anything about that Flair Window match. That's the thing. Is Unfortunately, I, yeah, I feel the same way. But Rick, I, I love Big Gold, <sighs> but I don't care about the WCW inter. Nobody does. Said intercontinental, inter, no, international. It is the Intercontinental title. That's the problem. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's not called that, but it's like, it's just not. Well, I'll give you guys a heads up. Stuff happens soon. Yay. Does Rick Rude magically get better and become the most famous wrestler of all time? That's not going to happen. I know, but I know. Other stuff does happen. I feel like that Rude, you will like, see him again. missing Rude is on the show is so huge because Rude has just been killing it mm-hmm. in the last year and a half. I mean, he's been killing it for a long time, but like, he's really rising. Mm-hmm. And his star gets put out, and it's so sad. Finally got new tights, and... <sighs> what it comes down to is... Soon. Yeah. I need that mustache on my pole. How about... Best... <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. How about best performer of the night? <laughs> um... <laughs> um <Burn Ganya. laughs> It's a callback. Uh, uh, I don't know. 
It's hard. I mean, Austin is always great. The funk with the, the promos? Because like with every random chance, I don't think anybody like shit the bed or had a bad night, but nobody had a great night either. Mm -hmm. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like everybody came up and showed up and did their job, but nobody was reaching for the brass ring, as they say. Nah, they're. Uh... I feel like it's all participation trophies here. <laughs> Everyone did their job and they earned their money, but they did not earn a promotion. We'll give it. I don't, I don't have a. <laughs> yeah, do you have? Do you have a a D? I do have a, a D. A, a, <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people like a D a D eighteen. We can roll it and assign a number to each guy. I don't yeah, know how many like people that. were. Um, it's like a, a you know a dice. Yeah, random like, number generator. Yeah, exactly. And we can how about? I mean, let's say it's not Kevin <laughs> Sullivan. I'm okay. I was saying it's not. <laughs> just Kevin for fun. Sullivan. Just for fun. But yeah, I mean, everything was fine. It's a, yeah, there's... It's, Pick a number between uh, 1 and 18. 3. So that makes it Terry Funk. Okay. That's kind of who I already said. Uh, yeah, so. you're good to go, yeah. How did you pick that? Uh, I went by the card. Oh. And like how it was put on cage match. Like the first wrestler name, second wrestler name in each match. Gotcha. So. How about most surprising? Not enough blood. For I expected a bunch more juice, considering we were in Philadelphia and we didn't get the juice. Uh, the other surprising I mean, the thing. The person who was going to juice the juiced. He just didn't do it in the match. Yeah. yeah, I know. He had to wait for the juicer to get down there. Mm-hmm. Most surprising for me is that I'm not as excited about this match or about the show as you. I mean, looking at it on paper. It has potential. It has good potential. I mean, yeah. Austin, bad. Funk, Blanchard, Zabisco, Regal, Ric Flair, Barry Windham, and Sting Vader. It's like, oh, it, like there's... I mean, maybe this most... Like, is that it's a show that we don't hate, but we really don't have anything <laughs> great to say about it either. I mean, yeah. I don't I hate mean, it, but I don't necessarily like it. This is like, a, like strictly down the middle. It's like, it was... Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most surprising, possibly for me, was that uh, Johnny B. Bad almost made me believe that he was going to take it. Honestly, yeah. That. Like that was kind of it, the show. Kind of was front loaded just because that moment actually got me, and that's the thing we all chase in watching wrestling is getting caught up in it. And I got caught up in that match, and like that's what I wait for all the time. They need to just stop bringing. Bring like two of them. We don't need all of them out there being introduced. This show is only seven matches, and it is long, even though it doesn't necessarily feel long, but a lot of it is because of this legend business, yeah. which we spent like an extra 20 minutes. Normally, a show would have another match. Yeah, I'd rather them do that than the three matches of legends. I, I, mean, I do agree. We just don't need the legends. But, I mean, if they're going to do their – I mean – like WrestleMania that. brings back their legends for True. WrestleMania Hall of Fame induction. I mean, I'm totally fine with legends, but we don't need a laundry list of them. Uh, bring out some better legends. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> Fucking it's Luthez. I know. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh, um, Luthez. 
That's my um, answer. I'm, that song I'm, is wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lufez uh, did not come out to a song, I'd imagine. <laughs> this week, the category is The Champ Is Here. The Champ Is Here! The Champ Is Here! So I will give you a show and a championship. You tell me who held it. At the end of that show. Five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. The show is Survivor Series 1988. The belt is the Intercontinental Championship. Shane? That would be one Senor Honky Tonk Man. That is incorrect. Is it? Does Michael want to take a guess? Take it to multiple choice. Multiple choice. I have a. Oh yeah, I know. I have another. I have a thought, but I don't want to. I can't afford. I can't afford zeros. Your options are (laughs) Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Honky Tonk Man, same guy, (laughs) (laughs) Ravishing Rick Rude, or the Ultimate Warrior, same guy. (laughs) <laughs> Don't you talk about Rick Rude that way. D, Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior is correct. <sighs> that was going to be my guess without the multiple choice, <sighs> but it's okay. I need it. Like I, I said, I can't afford zeros. I keep forgetting he won it at SummerSlam 88. Was that the the yellow belt? I think so. Or yeah. Pink, pink belt? Yeah. I don't remember what color Purple it was belt? at that time. He had yeah, he changed it up he a lot. Changed the oh, man, um, I saw a really wild photo of, like, because Sting and Warrior were, like, bodybuilders that were buddies, and they came in together, and they went different paths or whatever, but I saw this image of the two of them, like, in a kitchen apartment or whatever, and you wouldn't believe that it was ultimate warrior he's got like short dark hair and it does not look like him he looks like a guy that would change your oil a really big guy that would change your oil but like he does not look like what you think of when you think of the ultimate warrior it's crazy next week we head to japan for best of the super juniors 1994 we had a j-cup a high-flying j-cup and now we've got the BOSJ94. So, I mean, we're going to see a lot of those same guys, I'd imagine. And, you know, if you're not excited about Delphin, Liger, Wild Pegasus, Black Tiger. Black Tiger. Like, do you even do you even like this stuff? It's very true. <laughs> so the music from this week's show is High Steppin' by John Hobbs. And we have... Sting has a new theme song <gasps> called A Man Called Sting. How does that one sound? Like how I just, oh, okay. just that. Oh, okay. Just said it in He's a man called Sting. Uh, okay, that's good. Yeah. Plus, you can hear it right now. Mm-hmm. You're listening. <laughs> yeah. Pretty nice. You can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Please go out there and rate and review us. Do it. Five stars or no stars? You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, because. We're always going back to Philly and Georgia and Japan and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other places. So if you have something that you think that we would like, I really like your opinion on stuff because Philadelphia, we're there a lot. I mean, Philadelphia or wherever, give us us some ideas. 
But you can also find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters!